Pray with me if you would. Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. Holy Spirit whose presence is in this place. We pray and ask that you might reveal to us in a clear and fresh way the Lord Jesus Christ whom we worship and whom we serve. Lord, it's difficult sometimes for us to focus on you because we've got so much going on. There's responsibilities that we have, and sometimes we worry about those. There's relationships that need some attention. There's some physical issues, and there's some financial issues. There's some emotional things, and Lord, forgive us when we forget that you want to meet us at our place of need, that you want to be our provision, that you want to be the answer, that you want to show us your way, that when we seek first your kingdom and we seek first your righteousness, that all of these things will be added to us. Your ministry, your provision, your way, your truth, and the life that you died to give us. And during this season of celebration, Lord, I pray that it would be a spiritual time for us. I pray that we would see you the reason that you came, that it would transform us. We gather together in your name. We gather together to exalt you, worship you, and be pleased with our offering. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to share with you uh, just uh, a simple uh, yet profound, simple yet profound thought, uh, just a few minutes uh, really in God's word before we gather around the communion table to remember the sacrifice that was made so that we might have a relationship with the creator of the universe, with the one true God. I want to talk to you this morning about Reconciliation. Reconciliation is the mending of broken relationships. I believe this affects every single one of us in this room to one degree or another. Reconciliation is, is an uncomfortable thing for us. It's, uh, it's not a natural Thing for us. It's not something that we're ready to run out and do. It's not something that we want to deal with. It's, it's something that we, we put off and we put off and we put off thinking that it'll work itself out or maybe we're thinking that it's really not that big of a deal anyway. But I want you to know this morning that it's important for us, reconciliation is. I think it's necessary for us. 
It's necessary for us in, in our well-being. It's necessary for us emotionally. I want to suggest that it's necessary for the party to whom we should be reconciled to. They often are feeling that same anxiousness that you tend to feel when we put off reconciliation. We, we have this way of waiting for them to initiate reconciliation, and they're waiting for us to initiate reconciliation. It's, it's necessary for our conscious sake. We, we think, I, I, I know this is something I need to do. I know this is something I need to do, but, but I, I, I don't do it. And there's this kind of guilt even that, that grows within us. I want you to know for every believer in this room, for we as Christians, that it's necessary for Jesus' sake as well because so much of what Christianity is built on, so much of the importance of Christianity is, is centered on this idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation can be an extremely emotional thing for us. All of these thoughts that go through our mind doesn't bother them why should it bother me and yet it tends to consume us sometimes we imagine what it would be like you know we in our minds and we begin to think of 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 how reconciliation would take place and generally when we think about it we we think about going to someone and and they agree that they were wrong and and uh we forgive them and we embrace and, and everything's fine. It's a, it's, it's a real emotional thing, emotions that can feel so heavy to us. Then there's, then there's Christmas. In, in the course of the season, invariably, we're going to hear this very popular Christmas song. And it brings to mind this, this need for reconciliation in, in some of the relationships that we have. We, we sing this song, we hear these lyrics, and we find that it's easier to sing than it is to actually do. Peace on earth, mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled peace on earth mercy mild mercy mild i'm not not even sure exactly what that means but god and sinners reconciled i i know what that means i know what that means because i've experienced that in my life i i remember well clearly as a nine-year-old boy being reconciled to god i remember clearly being taught that that I, I was a sinner and separated from God, but God expressed his love for me and that while I was a sinner, Jesus Christ came and his death on the cross and his shed blood were a payment for my sin. And, and if I would, they said, ask him into my heart, which I didn't really fully understand, but if I, if I would receive him, that he would come into my life and I would be reconciled to the God of the universe. Most of us in here 
understand that kind of reconciliation. The reconciliation of God to man being drawn together in this incredible relationship. Yeah, we probably take it for granted too often in our life that we would have an intimate and real relationship with the one true God, the God of the universe. But we, we understand that we have been joined together that what has separated us from God has been dealt with and that we are now reconciled to God. God and sinner reconciled. But what about sinner and sinner reconciled? What about that relationship that needs attention, that needs to be dealt with? And we think to ourselves, you know what, there's just too many reasons not to make this a priority in my life, that there's just too many reasons not to initiate this reconciliation. There's too many reasons not to send a card or an email or make a phone call, maybe even take a trip to have that awkward conversation. But then we think about this reconciliation with God and we have to come to a place where we understand that God had endless reasons not to reconcile with me. That God had endless reasons not to reconcile with you. You know what those are. We can think about them. We know those times that God witnessed, that, that, that God saw. He knows what we did. He knows what our life is. And, and He could come up with maybe endless, limitless reasons for not reconciling with us. And by the way, maybe the biggest reason of all is it cost him so much more than sending a card or making a phone call or sending an email or making a trip or having an awkward conversation. It cost him a whole lot more. The Apostle Paul understood what we have as Christians in the, in the context of what we celebrate at Christmas in the context of what it cost God to reconcile us to Himself. He says in his letter to the Colossians, for in Him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That God was put in a human form, in a human body, and through Him, Jesus, to reconcile to Himself all things and all people. That this was God's plan, that this is what was necessary, that God stuffed Himself, if you would allow me to say, into a human body that He was fully God, yet in a human body in order to reconcile to Himself all things and all people, whether on earth or in heaven, making what? 
peace. Making peace by the sending of an email, by a phone call, by an awkward conversation. No, what it cost him to reconcile us to himself was his blood. It was the blood of his cross. And then we go on and see, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, alienated, you remember that time in your life when you felt alienated from God, you felt like you were an alien to God, that God was an alien to you, that there was this huge chasm that separated you from Him. And yet, He does everything that is necessary to bring about reconciliation to us. You were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We, we don't like to think about evil deeds. We don't like to think about some of the things that we've done. But I want to suggest to you in the context of, of understand and reconciliation that, that maybe a part of that is, is God saying to us, listen, when you mistreat someone that I love, you mistreat me. That, that when, you, when you fail to initiate, to sacrifice, to, to try and reconcile with someone that I love, that I died for, then you, you do that to me as well. Then this wonderful last verse, this 22nd verse of Colossians, he says, he has now, one of the translations that I read this past week says, but now, but now, I love those two words, but now, now Jesus is kind of intervening, now Jesus is kind of ministering, now Jesus is at work, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, that's what it cost him, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him what our reconciliation with him brings and we we love this this is this is probably the best part of christianity isn't it that 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 through the work of jesus christ through what he has done he is able to present us holy and blameless without blame it's the best part it's, it's a part of Christianity. It's a part of the Christian experience. It's a part of the relationship with God that, that we kind of leverage that. We leverage it all throughout the year. That when, when I sin, when I'm disobedient, when, when I make a, a bad choice, I can simply go to Him and, and, and I can confess that. I can appropriate His blood, His forgiveness in my life and and. Instantly, I'm blameless. And, and, and since that's the case, then I'm able to call upon Him. This is, this is the leveraging it. You know, every time that we get on 
our face, get on our knees, turn our heads toward heaven, hold up our hands and go, God, I need your involvement here. I need your help. I need your provision. I need your wisdom. Lord, please do a work in in my family's life. Please do a work in my friend's life. Please heal us. Please guide and direct us. Every time that we, we scream out to God, we are assuming that we're cool with Him. We're assuming that our relationship with Him is right. We're, we're assuming that, that reconciliation. We're assuming that, that God has removed everything that makes us separate from Him, incompatible with Him. We we leverage this, this relationship, this reconciliation, because we, we sense that God has removed the bad decision. He's removed the sin, which, which He has. It's as if God is coming to us and He's saying, hey, are we okay? And we go, well, you're God. Man, if you're okay with me, then I'm okay with you. And we can move forward in this relationship. It's important. It's a priority in my life that I be okay with God. But what if Jesus continues that conversation and he says to you, well, are, are, are you okay with him? Are you okay with her? And we, send, we tend to have this attitude. As a matter of fact, I think we live out this attitude, this attitude of, well, that doesn't really matter that much because I'm okay with you. And as long as this relationship is right, this relationship doesn't really matter. As long as the vertical is good, then it doesn't matter what the horizontal is. And I... I, I, I ask you this, really? I mean, do we really believe that? Do we live that out? And then I ask you, have you forgotten? Have you missed? Do you remember what Jesus taught over and over and over again in his earthly ministry? Do you remember how he talked about the importance of our relationships with other people, with brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you remember the priority that He put on that? There are many, many verses that we could look at, but, but there's one that is so very, very clear. It's found in the fifth chapter of Matthew. Jesus is basically saying this, look, I know it's part of our experience. It's, it's part of our, uh, um, our relationship that... That, that ever so often you come to the temple and you offer your sacrifice. This is a sacrifice that covers your sin and it reconciles you and me. This is, this is very common among all religions of the world. You need to be right with God. You need to do the things to, to make your relationship right. You need to be reconciled to Him and and the way that it was done, it was you brought a sacrifice and God accepted that sacrifice and removed your sin and reconciled yourself to Him. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. If you bring your sacrifice for reconciliation with me and it comes to your mind that there's a relationship in your life that needs reconciliation, don't offer your sacrifice. Go and be reconciled. That's what the word is in Matthew 5. And then, 
come. I think in these Colossians passages, Paul is kind of pointing to Christmas. That God, in a human form, came to pay the price to do what was necessary to reconcile you to him. And so reconciliation is what we celebrate at Christmas. Can I suggest this to you? I'm sure of this. It's stronger than a suggestion. The very theme of the Bible is reconciliation. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about reconciliation. And so the question becomes, why don't we demonstrate what we celebrate? If we celebrate reconciliation, what hinders us from demonstrating reconciliation? In a few days, uh, what, 12 days? Is today the first day of Christmas? Tomorrow? 12 days we'll celebrate Christmas. And we have traditions and it'll be family and it'll be singing and it'll be giving and We'll tell our children, now you need to understand the true meaning of Christmas. It's, it's not about Santa. It's about the baby Jesus. It's about God coming to earth so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could be reconciled to him. It's about reconciliation, so why don't we demonstrate what we celebrate? Why don't we send a card, an email? Why don't we make the phone call? Why don't we take the trip? Why don't we have the awkward conversation? Why don't we do it? And you say, well, Dale, look, you know, I could, but they don't care. They won't appreciate it. I guarantee you, they won't reciprocate. I know. I know they won't. But neither did you. How many times in your experience did God come after you? That God sought reconciliation, such a huge part of my personal testimony. Nine years old, I was reconciled with God. There's no question in my mind about that. I thank him and praise him. There's really never been a question about that in my mind. But as many of you have experienced, most of you, probably all of you have experienced, there's a time in your life where you just kind of drift away. You walk away. You do things that, that are just horrible decisions. You do things that's so displeasing to God. You know that it is. In my personal experience, it was during those years of, of, of not being truly reconciled with him. The relationship was there, but there was, there was no interaction. There was, you know, I, didn't, I didn't care. It wasn't important to me. And yet God would, would constantly and continuously and faithfully whisper in my ear, Dale, I love you. What are you doing? I want you back. 
I want us to enjoy the relationship. I want us to enjoy the, the, the intimacy. It just wasn't a priority to me. I would brush it off. I knew he was real. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he was calling me to himself. And I was acting exactly like you're thinking that someone's going to act. They they don't care. They won't appreciate it. They won't reciprocate. Neither did you and neither did I. But you know what? Though I rejected his invitation to be re-reconciled to him, I rejected it. I brushed it off. He never, ever rescinded the invitation. God does not rescind his offer because we do not receive it. Maybe this has been an experience in your life. Maybe it needs to be an experience in your life. Maybe it's something that you experienced as a young adult and maybe in your 20s or in your 30s or, or in your 50s when you come to a place in your life where, where you recognize what your life has become and you recognize that chasm, that separation from you and God and, and you call out to Him and you ask Him to, to, to reconcile you to Himself and at that moment the invitation is still being extended. Here's where it started. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken so that, you know, people would have to pay their taxes. It was the first census taken while Serenius was governor of Syria, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because, because that's where he was from the house of David. And he, he went there to register uh, along with Mary, who he was engaged to and, and who was about to have a child. And it, it came about that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed in God's absolute perfect timing for her to give birth. And, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a cattle trough because, as you remember, there, there was no guest room for them. There's no room in the end. There in that same region, the Bible says, there were shepherds that were staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock. It was nighttime, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. Of course they were. God showed up. And quite frankly, up until this time, that usually wasn't good news. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, in fact, I bring you good news. Good news of great joy, and it shall be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is the Messiah, who is 
the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a feeding trough, and then suddenly there was with that lone angel a multitude of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. And on earth, peace. Peace. Among men with whom he is pleased. So here's the Christmas question. If God and sinner can be reconciled, who are we to withhold the offer of reconciliation? If God and sinner can be reconciled, who are we to withhold not the guarantee of reciprocation, not the guarantee of desire from another party, but who are we to withhold the offer of reconciliation? Doesn't this have everything to do with the communion table? Because reconciliation cost him his blood on a cross, which we gather to remember, and this is a wonderful time that we might ask God, God who and what would you have me do? As I pray, I want to ask our deacons and elders that they would come and take their places. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring to our minds with clarity afresh what it cost you, that you loved us so much that you left heaven's glory, that you became a little baby in a manger, humbly, God stuffed in human form so that you could die and I might be reconciled to you. Then, Lord, I'm reminded of what you taught us before I seek reconciliation, before I seek right relationship, before I seek fellowship, before I seek intimacy with you, as you bring to my mind horizontal relationships that need reconciliation, may I get up off of my knees and seek out those and do what is necessary to offer reconciliation, and then, Lord, I will come to have fellowship and intimacy with you. So, Lord, use this time in our lives. It's evidently extremely, extremely important to you. In Jesus' name, amen.